How's everybody doing? Are you ready for the word of God today? Man, already church has been good. Are you guys hot? I got hot. up. It gets hot when you minister under the anointing. Hallelujah. It's so good to see all of you. I tell you, God is doing amazing things, isn't he? He's awakening the church. How many so desperately needed an awakening? I mean, even though we love Jesus so much and we're faithful to church, sometimes we just need to get through that desert experience and just say thank you for the wells of refreshing. Amen. And that's what's happening in this church and I know happening all over and I'm just so thankful for it. I believe God's doing something very special in our church. Before I get deep into my message, I do want to announce a couple things. You should have received an Easter celebration card. So I want you to make sure that you take a few of these, pass them out, invite your friends and neighbors um, to come to Easter. We have a whole Holy Week for you, so it's important that you read the bottom of the card. But one thing we're doing this year that I'm so excited about is Good Friday, we're doing prayer stations at the cross. I cannot wait for our first time that we're going to do this. And it's an open house from 10 to 7, so you can come through at your will. There'll be 12 different stations that Jesus faced as he went to the cross. And you'll be able to visit each station, have a prayer experience. There's an interactive thing that you will do. Okay, I guess everybody get cards. So, yeah, praise the Lord. If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. (laughs) Um, But make sure you mark your calendars. And then Wednesday night, Passover, is uh, all church, all worship full communion night. This is something that's happening in the entire nation. There will be hundreds of thousands receiving communion together on Passover Wednesday. We're going to be a part of that. They're commissioning all the churches to come together, and this is like a 50-year something jubilee anniversary. So it's going to be, I believe God's going to do some amazing miracles that night. So if you haven't started with your 40, 30 days of receiving communion at home, it's not too late. You can start today, well, you probably did, and just get a cracker and water and just bring Jesus into your home. Amen. Bring him into remembrance of all he's done in your life. And then, of course, Easter Sunday is going to be a big blowout, lots of stuff for the kids and a good time. And one more thing, I'm sorry, ladies, we have an event for you. Oh my gosh. This is going to be so crazy. So make sure you get here. Don't let the devil tell you nothing. You got to call your boss. You got to get off. You got to get here. You got to bring someone with you. This night, these two nights are intentional. We are coming together for women to find freedom in Christ. And we are unlocking everything that's in you and allowing God to pour into you. So don't young, young girls, we want you to bring your teenagers, bring your young girls. They need to be in the atmosphere where women are worshiping God so we can show them how it's done too. Amen. So jump online. It's only $25 for two nights, and we have some amazing, amazing stuff planned for you. Follow these two women of God. God is using them across the nation to awaken the women of God. And they're the ones that are organizing the Million Woman March to Washington, D.C. And we're going to be a part of that. Amen. Thank you, Chad, so much. Okay, say hi to your neighbor. I hate being looked at when I'm drinking. So weird. (laughs) Well, I put together uh, probably two or three week message leading up to Palm Sunday. But I'm going to be really challenging us on a message that's called We Are the Church. And I really want to challenge us at Faith Builders that we are teeter-tottering, I promise you, on this incredible breakthrough in our church. I mean, we are just on this, just this teeter-totter of this incredible breakthrough. But it's going to start with us who are here and who have called this our home to really realize that you are the church. 
that you are the one God has called here. You are the one God has anointed for such a time as this. And I really want to challenge you this morning in the direction I'm teaching today is that when you can get a revelation of how important you are to the body of Christ, that you are necessary in God's house. Your gift and calling is so important in God's house. And more than that, I want to share a little bit of four things that has me, after serving Jesus since I was a little girl, and I'm only like 20-something, so it's not been that long. I'm not even 23. But uh, anyway, we all know the truth. But what has kept the longevity? Why am I still loving God today? Do you ever ask God that? Like, the church has probably beat us up. People has offended us. Not everybody in church is nice or likes us. And there's all this stuff that goes on. But you know what? We're still here. We're still remaining. I still love Jesus. I still love his house. I still love his people. And I want to teach you some things this morning that caused me to still be able to love his house when sometimes the church is not so lovable. Amen. And so you are the church. And so I believe that God is bringing back his church to uh, the book of Acts days. What did the church of Jesus Christ look like in the original days? You know, the church of Jesus back in the day, they were happy and they were excited and they looked forward to coming together. They looked forward to fellowshipping with each other and opening up their homes. And there was this zeal for the house of God, you know, even though it wasn't always in a, a setting like this, but in their homes and inviting people in. And I believe God is bringing that zeal back to his house once again, where people are excited to get to the house house of the Lord, where they can't wait to get there, where Sunday's not an option. Sunday is on my calendar and it's set in stone. Sunday is part of what we do and what we're a part of. And even in my life growing up, I didn't wake up on Sunday mornings and wonder, oh, I wonder if I'm going to church today. Uh, Dad and mom, are we going to church? No. It was like, girl, you better get your butt out of bed. Get dressed. We fought all the way to church. We were Italian family, so we fought all the way to church. But you know what? We were in church on Sunday mornings, and my parents showed the way, and they served in the house of the Lord, and they gave in the house of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying these things to condemn us. I'm trying to show you what the nature of a love relationship with God's house looks like that will cause longevity in your relationship with God and in your children's relationship with God. Because, you know, I'm walking in some benefits and blessings of the kingdom because my parents forged the way. They made the way, they showed up, they were faithful, they served, they tithed, they did all of that, and I just watched them do it. And because of that, they forged a way that when I came into Christ, I was way ahead of the game before I had to fight all those battles, and then I fought my own battles and learned my way, amen? And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to understand the importance of his house and bringing that excitement back, amen? Bringing that zeal and coming ready, coming prepared, sharing your faith. Those are all the things that God wants us to do as Christ followers. There's nothing more enjoyable in life than when you are sharing your faith with someone. There's nothing more that will light your fire with excitement when you're praying for someone. There's a lot of fun things I've done in my life. I've traveled. I've done all these things. Nothing makes me more excited than after I've been able to lead somebody to Jesus or pray for a stranger in the grocery store. Be the church of Jesus Christ. When we are being the church, there's a joy that ignites on the inside of us. And then everything else in life is wonderful. God wants us to have a good life, doesn't he? He gave us a beautiful world to enjoy. But my first point this morning is this. We are a church that seeks 
first the kingdom of God. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. And it says, the scripture verse, let's look at it, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. How many know that scripture verse? We know it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. Well, before it gets to this scripture verse, I want to show you something that prior, how many of the book is like one book that we just broke it up into chapters, but prior to that scripture verse, Jesus was first talking to them about prayer. How do you like my writing? Thank you. That's pretty good, huh? He's talking about prayer, our Father which art in heaven. He's given him, this is, this is how you're supposed to pray. And then he breaks down some things in scriptures, and he says this. He said, um, many of you are fasting to please men. So he's like, I'm talking about prayer, but there's things that you're doing to please man. And he's talking about fasting, right? Now, should we fast? Yes. Should we pray? Yes. You know, should we do those things? Absolutely. But if it's to please man, if it's to do the works of our flesh, boy, I felt really good about myself. I, I've done how many days? What day are we on in our fasting or our, our communion? I've done that many days. We're doing these works of the flesh. The next thing that he talks about is treasures for yourself. He says you're laying up treasures, right, where moth and rust doth corrupt. He said, there's things that you're putting value and worth and importance in not called you to those things. We're kind of flip-flopped in the church today. I think pre-COVID and maybe even earlier than that, we had our priorities a little different. We knew the treasures of our life was our children being in the house of God. We knew that our treasure was finding our place and using my gift and ability in the local church so God can touch and change a lost person's life that comes into the kingdom. But unfortunately, we, we've gotten to this mentality where it's about us because we went into this living in our homes alone and it all became about survival for all of us. And we're creating treasures that moth and rust will destroy. When God has called us to create a kingdom treasure, amen? Winning somebody to Jesus, taking them from the depths of hell and bringing them into an eternity with Jesus Christ as a treasure. So he talks about that. The next thing he talks about prior is your eye gate. Now, he doesn't say eye gate, but he said if the, if the eye is pure, your whole body will be pure. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be evil. He said, what are you looking at in your eyes? What is bringing you pleasure? What is bringing you joy? What are you filling your soul with? Is it good things or is it bad things? Now, remember, he started with prayer. And then he went into, um, talked about money, financial gain. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, right? Forget which verse it is, but he's talking about finances and, and, and worrying about gathering up for ourselves and how can we have our, our nest egg and how can I make things feel safe. Now, are any of those things wrong? Absolutely not. But Jesus is showing a priority of kingdom dominion, of walking in longevity in your relationship with Jesus and taking care of his house. Amen. I have this later in my story, but I'll share it now. When I was younger, you know, the beautiful thing as parents is you live Jesus before them. That is the best example you can give them what you say to them. 
Like I saw my dad get up in the morning and read his Bible with his coffee by the time I got up. I saw them tithe, and matter of fact, I used to write his tithe checks when I got a little older, and uh, we went to a church called First Assembly. You know, when you're a kid, you got that big bubble handwriting. Well, I couldn't fit First Assembly, so I wrote First ASS on his check. (laughs) And he brought it to me, and he's like, he's laughing. I'm like, what? My mind did not register that was a swear word until he smiled, like, (laughs) his face was all red. He thought that was great. But I remember that, that tithe check was priority in my dad's life. And we'll talk about that. It's not about, people are afraid to talk about money. And I can admit it's not my most favorite topic. But you know, when you catch a revelation of giving to the church, it changes your life. It changes your children's life when God becomes what? The first priority. Then the next thing, what did he talk about? He talked about, don't, why do you worry? He says, you worry about so many things. You're worrying. We worry about the world, and we worry about how we're going to pay our bills, and we worry about our children. All of that is real. But Jesus is saying, before before all of that, I'm going to teach you how to pray so that everything that you're going to face in life, I'm going to teach you how to seek me first. Amen? But what do we do? We put these things first before we're seeking first the kingdom of God. I've got to take care of this priority. I've got to take care of this stress. I've got to take my kids here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that, and I've got to do that. This isn't about shouting, seek first the kingdom of God. He's saying, no, seek first everything that's above this. You have to seek God above all of these things that you're trialed with in your life. God has to be number one in everything that we do. We can have the pressures of life, and you need to go on vacations and and spoil your children. All of that is a part of it, but God says before all of that, it has to be me. And I believe that's where the church is going today. God is bringing the church back up to first priority. Not just the church, but I'm talking about our hearts. We're talking about this relationship with Jesus. That's why I wanted you to do communion in your home for 30 days so that we're bringing Jesus front and center. How many like we're at midnight? Shoot, I forgot to take my communion. I did. I'm like, I got to get up. It's not mid- Okay, it's 11.55, God. None of that matters. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's so easy to get with our mundane day and forget about setting that time aside to bring Jesus as number one above all else. He says, seek me first. What's that word seek means? It means to crave, to strive, and to aim. We need to change our heart and say, every day, God, I'm going to wake up and crave you. I'm probably going to have to discipline this flesh, and I'm not going to like it, but my aim every day is to seek your face in prayer or worship or communion or whatever it is. I'm going to seek you first, God. I'm going to give you my day. I'm going to give you my agenda. We're putting everything else behind, and we need to crave the presence of God. 
And only God can do that in us, can he? Only the Holy Spirit. That's why challenging the men of God, I'm telling you, something shifted in this church this morning because we're going to begin to arise and crave the Holy Spirit. How many want more than just a song? I need worship. I need the anointing that breaks the yoke. I need freedom and liberty. That's seeking first the kingdom of God. If you can do it in your home, you'll come here and instantly we'll step into the presence of God. When you've already worshiped at home, you've already prayed with your family. You've received communion. You're making the aim of your day to be about Jesus. This place will be set on fire when we come in in the unity of what we're doing in this house. Amen. Amen. We're going to make it our aim. The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's your royal power and authority. That's why it was so awesome how God just knighted you men. It was like he knighted you with that sword. You have dominion, power, and authority. Know your place in the kingdom of God. The devil may try to beat you down, but I know my authority. I may be overwhelmed and confused and frustrated, but I'm going to take my royal kingdom authority. Devil, get behind me. Get under my feet. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. When you begin to take that position, you're seeking first the kingdom. That means the kingdom of this earth has no right over me, over my family, over my finances, over my children, because I have the royal authority. I've been crowned as the righteousness of God. Do you know that kingdom means also this territory? It's a territory subject to the rule of a king. Ooh. Wherever your feet go, that's a territory subject to the rule of the king. You have kingdom authority. Wherever you go, you walk into the grocery store, the authority of God's rule walks in there with you. You walk into the job, the authority and the rule of God walks with you. You can be talking to people. The authority of God walks with you. That means I walk in favor. I walk in blessings. I have promotion. I have what God desires in my life because I know who I am. I've gotten such a revelation of the power of touch. And, and Samantha shared something with me, and it never left me. And, and I've had a few share the testimony, and we all carry this. But I walked over to say hi to her one day, and I just remember this, and I grabbed her arm. And we were just chit-chatting. It was the middle of worship. It wasn't even spiritual. And she came to me later, and she said, Pastor Barb, I want you to know when you touched me, I felt the power of God go completely through my body. That's authority. We were chit-chatting. It was no spiritual. And in fact, we were doing it during worship. But you walk in authority everywhere you go. And no matter how you feel, how you think, how spiritual you are, you have God's kingdom authority rule in your life. And when you know that, you will walk in it. Every place that your feet tread is blessed, favored. It belongs to mine. Why do we walk properties? Why do we walk cities? Because I'm declaring that territory to be ruled by the kingdom of heaven. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. And so now everywhere I go, I'll be in the grocery store. Oh, hi. What, you know, what is, I'm touching people. I'm touching people. I'm, I'm not kidding. In the plane next to me, I just, I told this guy, oh, I just asked him a question. I'm touching him, touching him. Why? Because the ruling authority on that plane, ruling authority. I'm believing God that when I touch him, the power of God will go into their life. Amen. 
It's not always about what we say. It's the anointing. It's that kingdom authority. But if we aren't seeking first the kingdom of God, we're carrying the treasures of the world. We're caring about too busy pleasing man. We're too worried about money and, and all the things that we see with our eyes. And we're not walking in dominion authority. And we wonder why there's no presence of God. Why there's no anointing. Why is there no favor in my life? What does this look like in your life? What does that look like? Because God's not a respecter of persons. You will walk in kingdom authority when you do what he says to do. Take that, bring it up, and let it become the first priority in your life. Amen? So the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Integrity. Purity. Our thinkings, our feelings, our actions all line up to the word of God. Can you see the importance of seeking first the kingdom of God? Thank you, Jesus. You know, our mission here at Faith Builders Church, since I took over five or six years ago now, is we're going to love people back to life to fulfill God's purpose. That's why we do what we do. And at this church, that's what we will continue to do. People are going to come in hurting, broken, bound, addictions, things that may not look pretty or smell pretty. We want the church to smell and look like the world. Not if they're bringing disruption, but if they're coming in and hungry, we need to love people back to life. And if we are charged and we're focused on kingdom and we're focused on the church, we will recognize the lost when they come in. We'll have a heart to give and to serve and to love them and do whatever it takes, amen, to bring them back to life. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, amen. Jesus came to give life and to give us life more abundantly. All right. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 this morning. And it says this. i got a few minutes. Acts chapter 2 Verse 42, and I want to set this up. This was um, right after Jesus gave his life on the cross. How many thankful you serve a risen Savior? He died on that cross, bore all of our sins on there, all of our frustrations. He came back to life and gave his victory on earth, defeating hell in the grave. Amen. And right after that, now Peter comes out. How many know Peter was messed up? Poor Peter. I can't wait to meet Peter. I don't even know what he's like, but I can't wait to meet him. But God, this messed up man, God finally used him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he preached repentance, salvation, and grace. And what happened? We've seen 3,000 people come to the church of Jesus Christ. 3,000. Do you know when revival or awakening happens, whatever God's going to do, it's going to happen suddenly, and people are going to be on fire, and we need to be ready for what God is going to do. If you look at the church, and I've said this many times, but people got saved. This is in the same setting. Saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. They water baptized them, and signs and wonders flow. Now, that sounds like a good church service to me. Amen. That's better than, you know, we do routine, but boy, I'd rather see this move of God where people are coming and and they're excited. So let's look and see what they did. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. We're going to break down this verse after I read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the fellowship, to the, wait, fellowship, excuse me. Let me start over. Rewind. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
to, of the bread. I got this written wrong. Hang on. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I don't have the word breaking. Okay. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. How many want to be a part of that? That is so amazing. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You see the excitement? They were happy, and they were ready to commune with one another. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine we take the 200 people that come to Faith Builders right now and doubling it overnight? How does that happen? A church that is seeking first the kingdom of God. A church that is on fire and ready to do something for Jesus. Ready to work hard. Ready to get all in and do whatever it takes. But joy has to come back to our hearts. Amen. So I want to read a translation that I wrote of those verses. Are you ready? It's the modern day version. It says this. They were devoted to their comfort, happiness, personal goals and dreams and bucket lists. No one really noticed the Christians because they only focused on themselves. Very few of the believers were together, and when they were, they fought about stupid things. Not our church, this is other churches. If they sold anything, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They claimed to love God, but they didn't even love each other. So they felt empty, alone, and depressed. As a result, most people disliked them, and very few lives were changed. We have an amazing church. This isn't about you, but this is, I think, what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. You know, we can have a tendency to be so inward and not thinking about the season that God has called the church into. I believe God has something amazing for his church in this hour. There are things that we have set up at Faith Builders. I felt all weekend we are hitting this momentum. And we hit that stride when I first took over and this church exploded. And I believe God has finally brought us to that place where we're strong and our foundation is great. And, and we're building momentum and, and we're building things here at Faith Builders. And we have, matter of fact, we've got a men's gathering of a barbecue coming up at Pastor Paul's. And then we've got a conference that Bishop Pruitt's coming to in May. And he's going <laughs> to preach to the men of God. We've got rooted classes. You know, we've got membership coming up in a couple weeks that we need all the new people to get through. We need to say, God, I'm going to get in to do what you called me to do. I'm going to get involved in the areas of my church that I need to get involved in so that we can continue to build this momentum and say the rest of this year, which we're barely into it, is not going to be just about my agenda. I'm going to step into the agenda of the kingdom and my church. And we're going to get back in the flow. We're going to sacrifice some time and sacrifice some resources. But it's never a sacrifice. It's an investment. I'm blessed in my life. I, I could want more, but I'm so blessed. And I know it's because my parents forged the way for me. And then I decided to seek first the kingdom. I decided to be devoted to Jesus Christ. You will walk in blessings and favor when we put God first. Listen, your children will be better when they're in the house of God. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. We'll get there in just a minute. 
So if we want something different in our year, we have to do something different, amen? Number two, the most incredible point, number one, seek first, but number two is we, are, we will be a church that will be in, devoted, we will be an intensely devoted church. We need to be, for the revival, the awakening, for what God has, we have to be intensely devoted. It says in verse 42, let's look at it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was that? The church, the word of God from the pastor, and to fellowship, relationships, breaking bread and prayer. That means we're coming into a season where we're giving of ourselves and of our time. And God is calling that to this church. It's time to give of ourselves, amen? It's not enough for a few people to do it all. We've got to all get in and say, I'll do whatever I'm called to do in this hour. That word devoted is translated proskartario. Say that fast. Proskartario. And it means this, to live in a constant state of relentless pursuits, pursuit, persistent, ongoing, obstinate devotion. That means from this day forward, faith builders, we are in pursuit for the presence of God. We are in obstinate devotion to do whatever it takes. If I need to come and clean on Saturday because the men are coming to clean, we are going to show up on Saturday and take care of our building. We have free child care for everything we do here. There's really no excuse but for you to show up. We're going to be devoted to God's house. We're going to take care of God's house. We're going to be in a constant state where my mind's going to be about the kingdom first, and then everything else will be added unto it. My children will be taken care of, I promise you. I was the kid that was the first one there. Remember, I was stealing cookie dough out of the kitchen. I knew every square footage of that church building. I was asleep under the pews, but I saw people get healed and saved and delivered. And we had a move of God because the people were hungry for the things of God. We were the first one in the church and the last one out. I, I didn't know any other way. And because of that, I have that same desire and passion for God's house. I love to see our littles running around. I love to see them here at the church of God. Why? Because it's training this next generation. Men, pros, carterio. We need that passion in the house of God. Your family's spiritual health is the most important thing you will ever do. Well, my kids need this. No, they need Jesus. Oh, my kids need to belong in sports. No, they need the house of God. Especially today. If you want your ser children serving God today, you better make sure the first place they are in is the house of God. Seeing worship, being in the anointing of God, being in the presence of God. We need to change our life to have Jesus be the number one focus of everything we do. Everything else he said will be added unto you. Time will be added unto you. Blessings, favor. God will bless you when you take care of God's house first. Amen. When you're relentless, passionate for the things of God. We have a lot of pro proskarterios in our life. A lot of people do it for other things though. I'm not looking while I say this, okay? But a lot of people live for their kids. Everything revolves around the kids. Well, they've got to go to this sport, and they've got that cheer, and they've got this school thing. Grace of God needs to be on your children in this hour. The anointing, because I'm telling you, the devil is wiping our kids out. 
in the school system, with their friends, with technology, with movie, with conversations. And we've built our, let make sure my kids are happy. I'm happy, but I was raised in the pew. I was raised on a cold school bus that my dad got us there early to go pick up 50 neighborhood children so they could be driven to Sunday school on Sundays and then driven back and getting back on that bus at the end of a full church day and dropping those babies back off. I grew up knowing that Jesus was first in my life. And guess what? I'm good. I didn't need any counseling. I, I don't say I didn't have any problems. But I learned the Holy Spirit in my life. See, there's something supernatural that comes on your home when you put God first. I missed out on nothing when my parents showed Jesus as priority in our house. But I, I traveled. I did sports. But if it was a Wednesday night, no, you're butts at church, girl. You better tell them you ain't going on Wednesday nights. Matter of fact, my mom called the church school and said it was a Christian school. Why, why are you giving kids homework on Wednesday nights when they need to be at church? She was mad. I want my kid in church not doing homework at home. See, that's, that's what we need to get like. No, church is priority for my kid. And listen, they're going to go kicking and screaming. I did too. Well, I actually really like church, but my brother went kicking and screaming. We'll use him as an example. But there's things like, <laughs> they can't all be angels like me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I turned a heathen at 13 or 14. That's another story. Anyway, where are we at? Procaterios, amen? We don't want to live for our hobbies and our career. We don't want to live just for financial success and homes. That's all wonderful. Everything else will be added unto you. We're going to live for Jesus. We're going to live for kingdom. We're going to live for sacrificing at the church, amen? We are not going to be cultural Christians in this church. We're going to be fully devoted Christ followers. Oh, boy, how much time do I have? Thank you. Isaiah 68.10 says, says this. Precept, for precept must be upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. What does that mean? The more that you're putting Christ first in your life, right? Getting it all right in your life doesn't happen overnight, right? We've seen people came into faith builders in, in Beloit, Wisconsin that were drug addicts. They were a gang. They were in a gang leaders. Marriages were destroyed. And they came into faith builders and they got devoted to God. That means they were a relentless pursuit for the things of God. That means there was times that they, they showed up for church, right? That's a part of it. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. That word precept actually is translated... Um, it's a rule intended to regulate behavior and thought. So you're not going to change your life over just one church visit, but it's a part of it. I'm going to build a precept, a truth, upon another truth, upon another truth, upon another truth. That means the more that you are devoted to the house of God, God has the opportunity to build the foundation for you to stand on. But if this isn't solid, well, I come once, and then I, you know, there's no devotion. But when you're line upon line, precept upon precept, that's a part of it. Serving is another part of it. How many want to show up on Sunday? There's sometimes you, sh you don't want to come to church and serve. 
I'm the pastor and sometimes I don't want to come, so let's just keep it real. There's, I don't want to show up on my serving day. I don't want to get there early. I don't want to work with those crazy kids again. But I'm devoted. I'm here for it. And I'll do whatever I'm asked. So I'm serving these church. I'm serving the kids. I'm showing up and smiling and I'm hugging. God is doing something in me that I can't see for the future. There's something happening inside of me. I'm, I'm breaking patterns of addiction and marriages that are broken. And I'm, there's things happening, but we want it when we first look for it. And God's like, no, I'm a process. Stay devoted. Stay in the game. Keep showing up. Keep giving. And you keep giving. Well, mine doesn't make a difference. And you keep giving. And you give to loving a thousand delight. And you're building that devotion to Christ. God is changing you. And do you know people, and there's, there's many more, but do you know there's people that came in our church with all those problems? And because they stayed faithful and devoted to God's house, their marriages were healed. Addictions were broken. Many of them are serving in the churches today. Many of them have lost, launched their own ministries because they stayed devoted. And on the flip side of that, there was other people that came in, the gang people with the bicycles. I mean, you guys remember those Harley Davidson guys. We had a whole crew, a Harley Davidson crew that came in. They were wild and wore the leather pants and the hair. We loved them. They were so awesome. And they got born again, but they kept saying this. I'm so glad we can come to a church that loves us just who we are. Oh, I'm so thankful for a church that loves us for just who we are. I was in my 20s, and I remember thinking, yeah, we do, but you have to change. You got to be fully devoted. You can come in and get born again, but we got stuff God's got to get out of us. We've got patterns and things that need to be broken. And we watched every one of them, because they wouldn't stay devoted to change, every one of them fell out of the local church. See, if you want longevity, you've got to stay in the game. We've got to get our devotion back. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be intensely devoted to the church. And number three, be irrationally generous to your church. We don't have time to go into that. You are givers, and I would like to talk more on that eventually. But do you know there's more scriptures on giving than there is prayer? Because if you can catch the revelation of giving to the church, it'll change your life. And I want to share this brief testimony, then I'm going to close because we're out of time. But Chad, you guys know his story. He's our Celebrate Freedom leader, Chad and Chrissy. They both came in here not knowing Jesus. On the streets, a lot of testimony going on there. But Chad walked in, didn't even know the things of God, and he grabbed an envelope, and God told him to give $500 to this church, and he stuck it in his wallet. He told me this morning that he actually only wrote $250, even though God told him $500. <laughs> but he later changed it, and he put $500 on it. God put in the heart of a man that was alcoholic, issues going on, living on the streets, to give. Why? Because giving changes your life. It opens up heaven. It changes your family when you learn generational giving. It's not about the church getting money. And, no, it's a kingdom principle that makes your family better. And once I got that revelation, I can teach it because, wow, it changed my life. It changed my parents' life, which gave me generational blessings. And I asked him, and he had a born again. Both of them got born again, filled with the Spirit. We got him off the streets. We had to chase him down a couple times, but we got him off the streets. 
And you know what? He, he gave that $500 within six months, and it changed his life. He married that girl on the streets. They got free, and now they head up our ushers and our greeters and run our Celebrate Freedom class because of money. See, being generous opens up spiritual things, and you need to catch that revelation and study it. Say, God, give me the truth of what it means to tithe to my local church. Amen? And number four, we will unapologetically share the love of Jesus. We're going to do that. We're going to close. So how do we do that? How do we have this devotion? Reading the word of God, making that part of your daily life. Serving in the local church, there's gifts in you that we need in this body. There's places that you need to serve and find. It may not be your destiny. It may not be your full passion, but it's a place where God can use you right now. Amen. Join the rooted class. Start tithing. Pray daily. Receive your communion. These are all beautiful things that we can do to stay devoted to Christ. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for what you've done in the spirit here today with our men of faith that, God, you ignited and united and something so special happened. And, Father, I thank you for this message today that we are the church. And, Lord, I pray that no guilt would be on anyone. We just wipe that away. Put the blood of Jesus over them. But, God, ignite us again. Give us fresh zeal and devotion to your house and to serving and to giving and being a part of all the things you've called to the local church, God. I thank you, God, that you stir them up in a way that only you can do. I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you need to receive him for the first time. I don't know where you're at, but God does. And so let's say this prayer together with one another, just as if we're saying it for the first time. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Teach me. Train me. Give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. We're going to welcome Pastor Paul.